everybody. Welcome to the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. This is your host, Dave Stovall. In this episode of Disciple Making Culture, Matt Dabbs interviews the point leader of Discipleship.org, Bobby Harrington. They're talking about steps to help your churches make disciples who then in turn make other disciples. They explore the importance of shifting our focus from informing to equipping, from program to purpose, from activity to relationship, and finally, from accumulating to deploying. This episode instills the value of creating that disciple-making culture within your church and integrating it into the everyday lives of your churchgoers. Let's listen in and be challenged by Matt Dabbs and by Bobby Harrington. Enjoy the episode, everybody. Well, hey, everybody. This is Matt Dabbs. I'm here with Bobby Harrington with the uh, Disciple Makers podcast and uh, just interviewing him on Disciple Shift. He co-authored that with Jim Putman and along with Robert Coleman, sold 100,000 copies. Uh, I've read it. I've used it. I think very highly of the material. And so I'm looking forward to picking Bobby's brain about Disciple Shift. Bobby, fill us in. <laughs> Matt, so good to be with you. And <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful that we can do this podcast. You know, we're gearing everything up to our national gathering, May 1st and 2nd in Indianapolis. And the, the goal that we have for the gathering, May 1st and 2nd, is that people will learn a lot about disciple-making culture. They'll make good connections with folks who can help them to learn how to apply it. And so as we head to May 1st, we want to make sure that the message of the book, Disciple Shift, which is shifting your church to disciple-making, is a part of that conversation around culture. And so, of course, we're doing this podcast. Uh, we'll have an ebook that kind of summarizes discipleship, d- Disciple Shift. Uh, of course, the subtitle is Five Shifts to Help Your Church Make Disciples Who Make Disciples. So I'm really glad to have this conversation with you, Matt. And I think it bears pointing out that the national study that was done just pre-COVID was less than 5% of churches are serious about disciple making. And there's various definitions to all that. It could be teased apart, but no matter how you look at that, even if it was 10% or 15%, I would go, that's, that's not, not a good thing. Yeah. So at four or 5%, we're looking at a real need for some shifts. You know, you're exactly right. So it's actually less than 5% of churches have a disciple making culture and, uh, most of those churches that do have a disciple-making culture are smaller churches. So uh, I think it's really important that we do that. There's multiple reasons. Uh, the pragmatic reason is that the world is totally out-discipling the church right now, so that the average person, their engagement with church is not sufficient to help them be, be Christ-like people. It's not sufficient to help them really orient their lives around Jesus the way the Gospels teach us. So that's a pragmatic argument. But another argument is the theological one, and it's really the core mission of the church to make disciples. So we care about this on a couple of levels, why it's so important to have a disciple-making culture and uh, why it's so important to make these shifts. Yeah, and you know, to not make the shifts, it's, it's going to have some super negative consequences. I mean, it just it, the, the way that it goes and 
And so I'm, I'm very appreciative that you champion this and that you're beating the drum. And I just really hope that not only will people pay attention, but that they'll share this, that they'll share this with their friends. They'll get the word out about this content because it's essential that there are shifts that are made. They've been all laid out that people need to pay attention. And so let's talk about the macro shifts in a church then that, uh, uh, that we describe in the book, Disciple Shift. The first shift, Matt, is from reaching to making. Uh, we could say it's from conversions to uh, disciple making. Let, let me explain what I mean. So probably for the last 100 years, especially going back to the 50s and the 60s and the 70s with the emphasis of uh, Billy Graham, there was a lot of focus put on the local church to you know, win people to Jesus, to make converts. And a lot of people acted like that was the primary goal of the church was to make converts. And so a lot of, lot of effort was expended on it, a lot of books written, a lot of seminars, when in fact the Great Commission in Matthew 28 is not just to make converts, but it's to make disciples. So let me just say what Matthew 28 says. 28 verses 19 and 20, Jesus came to his disciples. He said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. The expression uh, make disciples is in the imperative in the Greek. The participial phrases describe how you do that. Uh, you go. So we're going to make disciples. You got to go. You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's the conversion part. And then you teach them to obey everything I commanded you, Jesus says, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. So it really helps. The first shift is that what we want to do is not just get converts. What we really want to do is help people to come to Jesus and then form their lives around Jesus. I like to summarize it this way, Matt. Uh, God's desire for every person and therefore our desire for them. And as I've laid out in a couple of books and including the book, Disciple Shift, the biblically, what God wants us to do for everybody is lead them to place their faith in Christ and then to become more and more like Christ as we obey all of his teachings. And so that's the two parts. It's conversion and then growth into Christ likeness. And uh, that is a better, more biblical focus than just the idea of making converts. Yeah, I love that. You know, two things that come to mind when you share that. One is uh, the four spiritual laws. Uh, Billy, you mentioned Billy Graham and was it Billy Sunday and those guys, you know, it, it, in many ways, and they did so much good. You know, a lot of it, it felt like kind of geared everything to a decision rather than to a path, you know, and that has some consequences. But I, I think about, you know, you also champion Jesus-style disciple-making, discipleship.org champions Jesus-style disciple-making. And so, you know, that style of disciple-making disciples through conversion to maturity rather than trying to convince to a decision and then trying to help people follow Jesus on the back end. And I, and I think that continuity is so important. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, part of this goes back, and we talk about this in the book, Disciple Shift, how you define a disciple. And we use Matthew 4, 19, where Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So if you take that as a framework that you can put all of the other biblical material, I'm not saying that Jesus was giving us a definition there, 
but we can use it as a good place to form a definition. So when he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men, we divide it up into the three parts. A disciple is somebody who's following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and committed to the mission of Jesus. And if we think that those are the people God wants us to make, which I believe it is, then we see that they're holistic. They're following, they're being changed by the Holy Spirit. And then as they mature, they become a part of that mission to reach others as well, which is, which is super important. That was probably my favorite point in the book. Is it Matthew 412? Yeah, 419. Uh, 419. So right for the temptations and you know all that. I think that's one of the most sticky ideas in the book because that people already know that verse, come, called by Jesus to follow me. I will make you transforma- uh, transformation fishers of men, right? So, so say the three things again, because it, I just want people to make that mental connection between yeah. the very words of Jesus and those three principles, because it's so solid. Yeah. So come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. We want to follow Jesus. We want to be being changed by Jesus. I will make you. And then lastly, fishers of men. Yes. Now, one of the things that you're going to find happens, Matt, in a lot of places today is that the, they frame what it means to be a disciple as somebody who's following Jesus, you know, spiritual formation, they're being changed by Jesus. And a lot of people just stop there. But you can't really be like Jesus, who devoted his best energies to make disciples. You can't be like Jesus, who made disciples without also making disciples yourself. And in fact, there's just a whole bunch of material, some really good books right now, some authors that I could name. I don't want to name them because I, it's a little bit tacky, but to, like big popular guys with these books on, you know, uh, again, I'll just not name names, but it's all about spiritual formation. And the problem with that is that's not what Jesus was just all about. Yes, Jesus practiced the disciplines. Yes, Jesus went into the desert for 40 days. Yes, Jesus got up early in the morning and went off to pray. Yes, to all the spiritual formation stuff. But why did he do that? He did it to honor God and to make disciples. And we can't really be like Jesus if we're not making disciples the way Jesus did. So that last part of the definition is super important. Yeah, making you fishers of men to be on the mission for Jesus actually supercharges spiritual formation, right? Because when you get into the nitty gritty of life on life, relational discipleship, Jesus style discipleship, it's going to supercharge your spiritual formation because your prayer is going to get more serious. You might get into fasting, which you maybe never done. All this, you're going to start diving in the word to answer their questions now in a, in a practical, relevant life on life way rather than an academic. I'm off in my study kind of way. Like, I think it just, the, the mission side supercharges the, the formation side. Yeah, I I think it's really true. You know, a lot of people, again, spiritual formation is good. It's just not sufficient. It's not complete. It's not, it's, it's got to be a tool that helps you to become a kind of person. And that kind of person is somebody who has a heart for what God has a heart for. And that's lost people and helping save people to become more and more like Jesus. All right. Mm-hmm. So that leads to the second shift, which is from informing to equipping. And here's what we mean by that. A lot of churches kind of take the posture of being like educational institutes or, you know, they're places where you come and the the best person with the most giftedness and the most training, he gets up and he teaches you. 
and he teaches everybody. And then we all go home because the, the gifted and trained focal point does all the training. And I say that, Matt, like you, I'm the lead minister, the lead pastor of a church, have been for 36 years. But when the church depends on a few people to do all the informing, it's not being a biblical church. It's not the Ephesians 4 type church where God says he gave evangelists, uh, 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 pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors for what? To equip the people in the church, to equip the saints so that the saints do the work of the ministry. So we really think it's important to create environments where people are not just passively listening, they're actively being disciples and making disciples. And for people to do that, they've got to be equipped, they've got to be coached, they've got to be trained. And so the idea is not so much to gather a group of people to sit and listen to somebody speak as much as it is to to have an assembly. I mean, assembly, the language in the New Testament where you have these gatherings, these assemblies, but then we train, we equip, we pray, we worship, and we uh, empower the people to go out and do the work of ministry. So we want to move from just being informers to equipping people for the works of ministry. That's so good. And, you know, he also goes on to say in Ephesians 4 that you won't be tossed around by false teaching if you follow this path, and you also be made more fully into the likeness of Christ, something along those lines there at the end of that section. And so it's just so essential. And I appreciate you from your position in the role that you play saying what you just said. And I think that's very important. Yeah, we've all got to be working at the real thing here is not to create a bunch of spectators, but to create a bunch of disciple-making activists. And the hallmark, especially as we move to the uh, national gathering that we're having May 1st and 2nd, is that we want to move to where we're really raising up cultures where people are activated to be disciples and make disciples. Then that, that, Matt, that naturally leads to the third shift which is from program to purpose. Let me describe it this way. A lot of churches are caught up in in what I call the three Ps. So it's preaching, praise and worship, and programs. And you want people to come to the church where they'll get the three Ps, the preacher, the praise and worship, and the programs. And instead to realize that God calls everybody to be a disciple and help make disciples. And so rather than relying on the three Ps, we want people to, because they're equipped in the ministry of the church, that we then send them out to live out the purpose that God intended. And again, that's twofold. It's you got to be a disciple and make disciples, that the primary identity of people is that they're identified by being disciples. And a part of being disciples, of course, is the mission and helping make disciples. The more we can create churches where you move from the bringing people into programs to instead equipping them so that they live their lives with purpose and mission, the more important it is and the more biblical we're being. That's so good. You know, the Willow Creek study, the reveal study showed, you know, some of the problems with that and how the implied message was, if you plug yourself into the programs of the church, you should be growing. You should be becoming a better disciple. Like all these things are kind of implied. They're never directly stated, but you know, the more involved you are, the more you volunteer, the more X, Y, and Z in the programs, and these things are going to happen. And they found out that wasn't really the case. And it begins to feel like programs can kind of become 
Um, we, we like to be able to justify our existence. And especially if you're on paid staff, you like to see results and justify. And if all the work is being done out there, non-accounted for and not programized organic efforts of actual disciples doing what's right in front of them and the church never finds out it's not a part of your program, like you don't get credit for that. You know, it's like, I just say it's our, it's our own, it's our own fleshliness is like, we want to, and I get it. I, you know, we have to justify our existence. And so we want to quantify things. We want to end house. We want to end brand. Uh, but man, as you know, God can multiply exponentially outside the walls, outside the programs, you know, and does regardless of us. Well, the other thing is it makes people stronger. You're much stronger when you're, when you're having to like see yourself as living as a disciple, trying to make disciples, either directly discipling people or helping make disciples. You're just going to be a stronger person. You're, you know, the guy who sits on the bench is not as good of a player as the guy who plays regularly. And the idea is you want to get people off the bench and into the arena of living life as God intends it with a lot of activity and uh, with a lot of responsibility. Like I'm responsible for my life and to be the kind of person God wants me to do and to use my life as a disciple, helping make disciples so that we can redeem the world. Now, Matt, this leads to the fourth shift, which is from activity to relationship. So let me contrast. Uh, A lot of places keep people really busy doing a lot of stuff for the church. And uh, a lot of times churches, in fact, I just had a conversation this morning with our executive minister and, uh, you know, we're wrestling because we got so many things that are going on and it's not good because when churches and church leaders get people doing so many things, we're keeping them away from building discipling relationships. Mm-hmm. And if there's one thing that Jesus showed us is that disciple making is highly relational. In fact, my summary description and our summary description of Jesus' method of disciple making is these three words intentional, relational transformation. That's what disciple making is. And so we've got to make sure that we don't have people so busy that they don't have time to be in discipling relationships where they're meeting in coffee shops early in the morning. Or uh, my, my wife has a, a group of ladies she disciples Tuesdays from five to six thirty because they're women that work and that they can get here and then get home afterwards for their families. But we want to make sure that we have those relational environments for disciple making, because as Jesus showed us and Paul modeled for us, it's relationships when it comes to making disciples. I believe I've heard Jim Putman say that their staff has an expectation of volunteering their time to do what they're asking other people to volunteer time to do something along those lines. Yeah. You know, different church uh, leadership does it different ways. Like in my church where we, you know, we talk all the time about you got to be in groups and discipling relationships and all that. Jim's church, of course, is, you know, just a huge church of over 8,000 people. And so they quantified it with their staff that they're supposed to put in 40 hours a week week with uh, their ministry work. And then outside that, they have another 10 hours for their discipling relationships to make sure that the staff has that uh, clear in their minds that they, they want to set the example for the church in a church environment where a lot of people work 40 hours a week. Where I live, not many people work 40 hours a week. It's more like 50. 
but the idea is you want to model for people what it means to have a job, have a lot of responsibilities, and yet make sure you have time for discipling relationships. Right. So what I hear you saying is, you know, just we don't want activity that's just spinning. It's like we want to, you know, people get just so busy, they don't have time for the relationships. And sometimes the church fosters that busyness rather than trying to just drive people back into those connection points and those relationships that actually will drive them deeper. Yeah, that's right, Matt. And then that leads to the last shift that we describe in the book, and that is from accumulating to deploying. Again, if you have two different metaphors here, one is the metaphor where everybody's being gathered like a magnet to the church and what the church does and all the people that the church has and, you know, bodies, bucks, buildings, uh, attendance, and, you know, you accumulate everybody at the church building versus, no, we may have church buildings, we have Sunday gatherings, but the goal here is to deploy people so they're out in the world being disciples and making disciples where they live, where they work, where they recreate, so that our disciples are uh, penetrating society and reaching more people and being ambassadors of Jesus because everybody, again, sees themselves as disciples, primary identity. I'm a disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is somebody following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and joining the mission of Jesus. So we're not just disciples, we're disciples helping make more disciples. So it's it's uh, being deployed into communities in the name of Jesus. Sometimes we talk about the metrics that we need to look at to be healthy and successful and the things that matter the most and a really great number to measure. And it, it hurts us deep down inside, but it's how many leaders have you set out? Yes to do other things. You know, we hate to lose them, but we're not losing them. We're, the kingdom's gaining them. And, you know, but again, we're trying to maintain what we're trying to do with our programs and everything that we, you know, we hate letting those guys go. But man, what a blessing that is to let people like that send them out and, and watch them change the world. Yeah. You know, some of the metrics that I think are important that you look at, like convert body, we got baptisms and bodies and bucks. Th- those things matter. That they, they just they're only one snapshot and often a biased snapshot. So other things like how many people in your church are in discipling relationships? How many people are leading discipling relationships or discipling groups? How many people are are apprentices who are being raised up to lead discipling groups? You know, how many people are actively involved serving the community? So these are the kind of broader metrics that we think are important to really look at. I just want to commend all of uh, all of you who are watching or listening. I would encourage you to read the book because we've gotten a lot of positive feedback over the last 10 years about it. And I do think that it's a distinctive book in its helpfulness of framing the big picture or the macro picture on creating disciple-making cultures. Let me just, as we sum up, Matt, go over the five shifts again from an, an emphasis on reaching people to and converts to making disciples, an emphasis on informing and teaching to equipping people to live it out, an emphasis on programming, praise and worship, preaching and programming, to empowering people to live out their purpose of being disciples and making disciples. From activity, where the church, you know, takes up everybody's time and activities to actually limiting 
the amount of activities of the church and making sure that people have relationships, discipling relationships with people in the church and people in the community. And then lastly, from accumulating people to the church to actually the church seeing a, a big part of what it's doing is deploying people into the community, to the places where they live, work, and play to be disciples who make disciples. So I think that uh, it's a great book uh, for church leadership to work through, to gain a real clear perspective on what it means to shift your church to a disciple-making focus. Yeah, well, thank you, Bobby. You're a real practitioner of this. It's not ivory tower stuff off somewhere in your head, trying to live it out, executing, helping other people do it. Like that just means the world to me. I, I, you know, I, I made the decision a few years back, if I'm going to listen to people, they've got to be doing it, you know, and I know you emphasize that even amongst the speakers at the forum and everything else. So key. Thank you. Yeah. For that. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Just so our listeners know, if we, we always try to make sure and that the people are living it out. And sometimes some of the greatest practitioners may not be the best speakers, but at the end of the day, because they're practicing what they preach, they uh, have an authenticity that we just think is super important. That's so good. Well, thank you, Bobby. Appreciate your time on this. Your blessing. Thank you, Matt. Hey, I just want to say before we hop off this episode here, I have something very exciting to share with you. I got to see this with my own eyes for the first time the other day, and it's magnificent. What I'm talking about is, drum roll please, it's the new flip book, Making the Disciple Shift in Your Church, The Basics in Five Minutes. This is a free resource. It looks so slick and clean, and it's very informational and just kind of helps you start to shift your own mind around some of the habits and things that need to be taking place at your church to begin that shift where you go to church. And as we learned in that statistic that less than 5% of churches actually have a disciple-making culture, I would say that just about every person needs to be checking out this book to read through it and to let God begin to mold and shape your mind around shifting the culture of your church. So check that out in the show notes. Up next, we've got another episode from Bobby Harrington. It's kind of a part two of this episode. So hit subscribe, come back and listen to the next episode when we drop it. All right, y'all enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you.